The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, January 16th, 2023. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holtz, and I'm your host. And with me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning, Elaine. Boy, we've had a lot of rain this weekend, but you know something? We needed that rain very badly, and it's going to, I guess it's going to rain on and off for the next, the whole week this week. Well, wow, 2023, Happy New Year to all my fans and listeners. I believe in saying Happy New Year through the month of January. And it's also the Lunar New Year, also commonly known as the Chinese New Year. And it begins on January 22nd, 2023, and it's the Year of the Rabbit. Anyway, today we are celebrating the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., which is a federal uh, holiday. And joining me on the phone will be Tina Rogers, an educator, performer, and researcher, and wonderful friend. And she was one of the organizers for the event that took place last night. Oh, it was a wonderful Wonderful Zoom. And today uh, at the Community Baptist Church in Santa Rosa, instead of people just going shopping and running around, they do a not a day off, a day on. I'm looking forward to hearing about the event from Tina and Ken and I hopefully will be attending. But we're not sure, you know, with the way the weather is, we have to kind of play it by ear. Uh, also, I'm going to have a special guest this morning. Uh, she's not here yet. I hope she makes it. Uh, joining me in the studio is Anna Diaz-Garcia, who was just recently elected uh, to Roseland. Oh, here comes Anna. Come on in, Anna. I uh, was just elected to Roseland School District Board of Trustees. I am honored to have her on the show. Anna personally, Anna personally, gives me faith in the future, and I am interested in hearing about her campaign and goals. And she's sitting right across uh, right across from me, and I'll tell you something. There's nothing like seeing a young, beautiful politician who really worked hard to get her seat at the table. And congratulations, Anna. Well, also, you know, I have to say this. Special condolences to Priscilla Presley, mother of Lisa Marie Presley, who was the daughter of Elvis Presley, who made her transition on Thursday, January 12th. What a shock it was. She was only 54 years old. You know, as a mother of a single child, I have one daughter, my daughter Susan, and she's now a grandmother. She's made me a great-grandmother. You know, when I thought of Priscilla and having just this one child, I, it just made me cry, you know, and, and I heard the news, you know, and I, I it once again put me into the state of mind where I recognize life is such a mystery. And I began to think about it and time itself. From my perspective, when it is your time, it is your time. You know, some never make it, others live to 105, and in between shows me that when it is your time, that's it. And I guess it was young Lisa Marie's time. And I send my condolences out to the Presley families, and I say to myself, because when these things happen, you know, I look at my children, I look at my grandchildren, my great-grandchildren, and, and I just have an attitude of gratitude. 
you know, to be grateful, to be, to have gratitude for that we are here today. You know, I can be on the radio, I can interview Anna, we're going to have Tina Rogers talking about Dr. King, which is, to me, is just amazing. And today it is a federal holiday. And I just want to remind folks, you know, just, just to, because I remember it like it was yesterday, the day Dr. King was shot. You know, I was, I was part of a, you know, I was part of the women's movement. I was also part of the civil rights movement, and all that, all those things were were going on as I was going back to school, trying to raise my daughter, and doing all these different things. And last night, well, last night when I was watching the event, they had the um, uh, birthday celebration for Dr. King, and they showed a film of him giving a speech. It was, I believe, it was a, the March on Washington, and they they started going through the whole. All the participants, I mean, they had hundreds and thousands of people there. And what was so interesting, what I noticed, there were black people, white people, there, there were rabbis, they were ministers, you know, there were young people, there were old people. I mean, it was just a, a group of, of people were saying enough is enough. And the reason it was so successful is because we all came together. We all came together as one group saying, this is not right. You know, we are all children. We are all God's children. We all have, have, a, have a right to be on this planet. We have a right to be have a good life. And it's not fair to have one drinking fountain for a white person and one drinking fountain for a black person and not allowing, you know, one of the big things about the civil rights movement was the whole voting idea that going out and registering African-American people, that they were beat up at the polls if they tried to register. I mean, it was it was just horrible. But it was a, a group, we all came together. We all marched together. We all felt a sort of comrade feeling, a feeling of holding hands and saying, we are one. You know, in the Bible, which most of us, we call ourselves a Christian nation, says, we are made in the image of God. And to me, God is like the flowers in the garden. You got some red ones, some yellow ones, some white ones, some black ones. You got all kinds of colors. That's the way we are as a human race. And nothing is going to end. Nothing is going to change until we all look at that and we all look at each other and recognize that, hey, we might have different cultures. We might have different food. We might have different colors of our skin. But the bottom line is we are one. We are human beings, and we are all part of the human family. And as far as I'm concerned, that's what Dr. King was trying to say over and over and over again. And, you know, when Ken and I were going to the, uh, coming to the studio this morning, he reminded me that Dr. King was influenced by a Vietnamese man. How do you pronounce that? Tit Nakan. He was influenced by this man because of the experience he had going through the Vietnam War and, and, and being in a... Uh, what do you call it, uh, a compound with young people teaching them how to meditate, how to, how to visualize positively while the bombs were dropping all around them. And he encouraged Dr. King to stand up against the war in Vietnam, which he did because he knew in his heart, you know, he knew the one commandment, thou shall not kill, and that's what we were doing in Vietnam. We were killing relentlessly not only the people there, but harming our own soldiers. And he stood up against it, and it cost him. 
it caused him. But here we are in 2023. Robert McNamara wrote his book about the uh, Vietnam War, that it was a mistake. And God bless you, Dr. King. You were absolutely right. You were 100% right. So let me just let me just give you a little a background here. Martin Luther King Jr. was born Mar- Michael. Oh my goodness, Michael King Jr. on January 15, 1929, and on that horrible day on April 4, 1968, he was killed. He was an American Baptist minister and activist, one of the most prominent leaders in the civil rights movement from 1955 until his assassination in 1968. An African-American church leader and son of an early civil rights actress, activist and minister Martin Luther King Sr., King advanced civil rights for people of color in the United States through nonviolence and civil disobedience. Inspired by his Christian beliefs and the nonviolent activism of Mahatma Gandhi, he led targeted nonviolent resistance against Jim Crow laws and other forms of discrimination. On November 3rd, 1983, and this is so amazing to me, it was President Ronald Reagan who signed a bill marking the third Monday of January as Martin Luther King Day. According to the center, the holiday was to begin in 1986. In January 1986, the first national Martin Luther King Jr. holiday was observed. So happy birthday, Dr. King. You really made an impact on me and my generation. And I know, I know you're looking over at all of us and saying, hey, What is going on? You know, we need to start looking at things again. I mean, this was a a major advancement in civilization that we want to take back. I mean, it just, it's stunning to me. Well, as we do every Monday, I have my special, my special thing on our history is our strength. And I'm going to repeat it again. Why is this segment important? Because we need courage. We need mentors. We need examples. We need to recognize whose shoulders we are standing on. You know, one of the most beautiful things about watching the, um, the event uh, on Sunday night was is to see all these people in a room, all these people on a Zoom. Oh, that rhymes, room, Zoom. All these people in a room and on the Zoom all together to praise to acknowledge and to express the love and the compassion that not only Dr. King expressed, but what he brought in on us and the opportunity for all of us to express by coming together. And they had the youth contest. It was just, it was just amazing. Tina, Tina Rogers is going to give us an overview on that, and I'm really looking forward to it. So let's do Our History is Our Strength. Well, here we go. Today's January 16th, and it's a federal holiday. In 1927, this woman was born, and she made her transition in 1998. It was Estrella Tomberley. She was a teacher, a writer, and a playwright, a pioneer in Chicano literature, addressed challenges of life in the Southwest, and explored the cultural demands of gender roles and marriage. Amazing. We are a bilingual station here, and here we are, Estrella Trombley, teacher, writer, and pioneer in Chicano literature. 
Amazing. And then on January 17th, this is another interesting woman, and she's still alive. It's amazing. Is uh, Martha Cordera. She was a pioneering Chicana feminist author of two seminal texts, Diosa e Hembra, a Chicano feminist, founding member of the Raza United Party in Texas in 1969, and one of the mothers of Chicana feminism. Amazing, you know. I mean, I have a young woman that I'll be uh, interviewing. These are the these are the shoulders that she's standing on. These these uh, these Mexican American women that that accomplished what they've have accomplished. Well, here's another good woman. In 19 uh, January 19, 1905, she was born. She was born before they even had the vote. Can you imagine how difficult for it was for her to stand up? Was um, Oveta Hope Habi. Hmm. Second woman in the United States cabinet 20 years, 20 years after Frances Perkins. And folks don't even know, you know, Frances Perkins is very interesting because Frances Perkins was the first woman to sit on a cabinet in the United States. And it was a labor cabinet when John Lewis, who was the head of the, the unions at that time, I mean, he's a big, burly guy. I mean, I would be scared to death to be in a room with him. And he or she was working with him, Frances Perkins. But here's another woman 20 years later after Perkins, the first secretary after pa uh, Frances Perkins, who was the first secretary of the Department of Health Education. Oh, excuse me. 20 years after Frances Perkins, she, Overta Culp Hobby, was the first secretary of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare in 19. 53. And listen to this. She was awarded the Distinguished Medal of, of Service for her work as the director in the Women's Army Corps in 1945. And now I have to acknowledge this woman. You know, she's a woman who wrote this beautiful song. I'll never forget it. It, I, it, it just plays in my mind a coat of many colors when she talks about the, the coat that her mother, they were very poor. They lived in the mountains, and they were very poor people, and someone gave her mother a bag of, uh, of material that was cut up in little squares, and she made her daughter a coat of many colors. And many, and she wore it with such pride, and yet everybody was making fun of her. And she said she never forgot that, and she ends up writing a song, A Coat of Many Colors, which became a top seller over that incident. And that was one of my favorite singers. She was born January 19, 1946. I can't believe I'm older than her. And that was Dolly Parton, singer and songwriter and best known for country music, the most famous movie. And that I just love that, which she was, uh, I think she was with uh, Jane Fonda and uh, Liddy Tomlin when they made Nine to Five, dealt with sexism, which de dealt with sexism in the workplace. And one of the things about Dolly Parton that I have to let people know is she is such a supporter of children. She donates to so many different organizations. And she's just an amazing woman. And I'll tell you, I, I really admire her. Well, that's a lot to think about, you know, and there's always a lot to think about here. And, you know, we're coming, across, we're coming up on the um, Chinese New Year, which is going to be the Year of the Rabbit. And, you know, after we do all, you know, all these different acclimates about other women that we're standing on our, on the shoulders of, you know, I have to, I have to do a shout out to Nancy Wang from the Redwood Empire Chinese Association because she keeps us educated 
about about all kinds of different things. I'm going to have her on the show next week, and we're going to talk about the Chinese New Year and what it means to be the Year of the Rabbit. But there's something coming up very quickly that's going to be happening. Uh, let's see. Let me go look at this right here on uh, January 19th, which is three days from today. They'll be celebrating the Chinese uh, New Year uh, at the Finley Center in the lobby. And also, I understand there are many, many, many uh, exhibits of art. And the Finley Center is at 2060 West College in Santa Rosa, and they're going to be doing all kinds of things. And one of the things they will be doing is uh, something known as the dragon dance. I love that. These young people dressing a dragon and just running around dancing and just having a good time. And it, it just brings out the spirit in all of us. And that's going to happen, like I said, at this uh, Finley Center. That's going to be from 5 to 7 on January 19th. And the Finley Center, again, is 2060 West College, Santa Rosa. And Happy New Year to all my Chinese listeners out there. And folks, get involved. Go down to the Finley Center because it's so important that we understand each other's cultures. You know, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, why? it just blows my mind. I mean... We all love Chinese food. You know, when the Chinese were here building the railroad, all of a sudden they had laws to send them back. I mean, all these different things that happen with different cultures. But at the same time, we're still here and we're still standing strong. So there's a lot to think about. And I have some other things that are coming up that I will announce later on. So we have come to the end of this segment, Ken, and we're going to go ahead and call Tina Rogers. And I'm going to play this song. The The song I'm going to be playing is... Ain't nobody going to turn me around. Let me see. If I forgot who that singer is. Let's see. It's sung by Lydia Violet. And let me, you know, the reason I chose this song, because when they did the speech with Dr. King, that's what he kept saying. Nobody's going to turn, no, ain't let, going to let anybody turn us around. So let's go ahead, Ken. Let's put that song on and let's get Tina Rogers on the phone. Keep on. 
Oh, boy. Oh, walking. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. But we Somehow we cannot get a hold of Tina Rogers right now. So I'm just going to have to turn around, and we're going to start our interview with uh, Anna Diaz-Garcia. For you just joining in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station. Its board of directors, its members are women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I am your host, Elaine B. Holtz, and joining me in the studio this morning is Anna Diaz-Garcia, who has just recently won an election, and that's how I met her. She walked up to me, and she says, well, telling me that I wanted to vote for her, and unfortunately, I was not in her area, but I was so impressed with her that I thought, you know, I know you're going to win, Anna, and when you are, the first thing I want to do is I want to have you on our show. And before we begin, I would like to tell folks a little bit about you. Is that okay? Anna De, uh, Diaz-Garcia is a student and a full-time employee in an all-women's, was a full-time employee at an all-women's law firm as a legal assistant and able to support her campaign for Roseland's trustee board of, of trustees in 2022 and complete her degrees. She left the firm and worked for G4 Firearms. On November of 2022, she became Roseland's top vote-getter as a trustee-elect for the Roseland School District. She was uh, nominated and voted as the as their vice president. So congratulations. That's a, that's amazing. Her experience includes from 2021 and 22, she was appointed to the Charter Review Committee of Santa Rosa. And in 2022, she was also appointed to the Commission on the Status of Women in Sonoma County. And she still serves on the board. Anna, who appointed you? Um, our county for District 3 um, supervisor, Chris Corsi. Oh, Chris Corsi, good. <laughs> Anna, Anna is... is is proud that she is now a member of Unidos de El Canado de Sonoma County and the California Latino School Board Association. As a notary of the state of California and a sworn electric official, she strongly believes in honesty and well-being of families within our community. Well, another interesting thing about Anna is besides all this politics, all these politics, she has a goal to be a herbalist, which I think is amazing, learning about all those good herbs and how to how to help heal people. Anna, do you have anything else to add? Um, I believe so. Tomorrow I'm going to find out if um, I'll possibly hopefully be a member of the Roseland's um, the Roseland. Uh, libraries uh, advisory board. Wow, exciting. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I mean, what, what's so amazing, the most important thing is, and I, 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 need, I, I know I keep emphasizing this, is that we need more young people, especially young women, to stand up and come to the plate and get involved politically. And because that's, that's how you make change. Well, let's start out, Anna, by begin talking about what motivated you to begin to want to get involved in the community, and what steps did you take? You know, for example, you were appointed to the Commission on the Status of Women. How did that happen? But but what was your motivation for getting involved? So um, I was actually involved, and in one of my first jobs was working for the Boys and Girls Club of Sonoma County. And um, I was employed and stationed to the Shepherd Elementary Elementary School that is off of West Avenue here in Roseland. So, um, you know, obviously as a program coordinator, I developed um, 
you know, a love for teaching and, um, you know, being more involved with our children of the community and their parents. I gained strong bonds with um, a lot of the community members, a lot of the teachers. Um, the principal at the time was really supportive towards me as well. And it just kind of motivated me to um, push action and get involved elsewhere. So then I decided to leave after the first fires because it was kind of um, off and on. They would tell the kids, obviously when the kids go into campus, that means we're on campus. But at that time it was kind of off, like, you know, it was kind of off and on for the kids to be students at the time because of the fires and the smoke conditions, the air conditions and, and elsewhere. But um, so I decided to work um, as a legal assistant for Van Dyke Law. So um, working for Van Dyke Law, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm surrounded about, around amazing women, Rachel McAllister, who is a criminal attorney here in Sonoma County, um, Carolyn Van Dyke, the one of the only African-American attorneys here in Sonoma County as well, and Constance Burnett, who is an empire professor and also um, does a little bit of probate, does a little bit of family law. Um, she, she's, she was just amazing. So I got great knowledge and I got to learn more about our California law through them. And then I just decided, you know, I, I want to do more, you know, this isn't enough. I want to push my limits. So then, um, I went to city council meeting one day oh and, boy. <laughs> and, you know, the topic was about Roseland. So, um, obviously I was going through the agenda and I was like, I have to go to this meeting, you know, because, because, you know, it's about Roseland. It was about the future of the park that they want to establish here off of Burbank Avenue and make it kind of like a Howarth Park kind of look, you know. So um, so I attended this meeting and the topic was obviously about Roseland, which I'm very, um, you know, I admire Roseland. I mean, I've been here my entire life, so I just felt like it was necessary to go. I felt like something was calling me to go. So, um, you know, I didn't really, it was my first time going to a meeting and, you know, obviously for public. I, I want to stop you. Yeah. You said something was calling you. Yes. You know, it was very interesting because I, I go to Unity uh, Unity Church, and they were talking about that on Sunday. He says, when sometimes you just get this feeling that you just have to do this, and you kind of talk yourself out of it, like, you know, why me and all that other stuff, but somehow you have to do it, and it's the right thing to do. So you followed your intuition. <laughs> yeah, and um, and it was kind of embarrassing because, you know, I didn't know about agendas or public, public comments or et cetera, et cetera. So then I go up, and Chris Rogers was the mayor of Santa Rosa at the time. And he was like, you know, so I started talking about Rose and he's like, oh, we're on a different topic. So you're going to have to go sit down and go go back up. So I did that. And then obviously, so then finally it was time to talk about Roseland. So then I go up there. I had a paper, a paper draft kind of in front of me. And um, so I'm like speaking and then I'm on my tippy toes. And then the lady behind comes and pushes pushes um, the microphone desk down <laughs> so then that took a minute and so then finally I had to restart my speech all over again and so I was talking about Roseland and um, I want to comment something I want to compliment you the secret to success is not to give up you know and you know <laughs> yeah. that's the beauty of that women's spaces pledge 
is what you think of me. You know, you know, I'm actually going to be uh, interviewing Terry Cole Whitaker uh, during Women's History Month, and she wrote a book called What You Think of Me is None of My Business. And you gave an example of somebody who really went be went the extra mile. You went beyond. Here you're having all these things that are embarrassing. You know, people say, oh, God, she's so stupid. She doesn't even know about the mic. I could just imagine what's going through your head. Oh. But you still did it. Yeah. You still did it. So go, Keen. I just, I have to, I have to. Yeah. Because the idea of women's spaces is to encourage women to stand up. And, you know, you're talking about a really embarrassing situation <laughs> where you just don't know what to do, what's going on, and yet you're still persisting and you still read that piece of paper. So go ahead. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so after having to restart my speech like two different times, um, you know, I'm talking about Roseland and this is when we're talking, the, the, the subject was obviously about the park, but it was also about redistricting, you know? Oh, so right. it was, it was at the time that Sonoma County was redistricting and city of Santa Rosa, which was just last, I want to say a couple years ago. Right. And, um, you know, the whole, you know, Rogers and Alvarez were kind of going back and forth about Roseland Southwest. And so I went up and I went up there and I was like, Roseland. <laughs> So then, so then obviously, you know, Eddie came up to me and he's like, I want to appoint you onto a, uh, a board. And I was like, what? I was like, what is that? And then, you know, he's talking to me about the charter review committee. That's only, uh, once every 10 years. So I was very fortunate to serve on that board. Yes. That is amazing because I remember the first time that I went to that board when the first they we wanted to put district elections the board meets once every 10 years. Yes. I can't believe it was 10 years since we put the try to get it we put it on the ballot for t uh to have district elections and it failed. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it happened, but but I remember that. So go ahead and continue. Yeah. So so it's funny because you know part of so my ballot for 20 November 2022 measures i and j were measures that were brought upon my my the charter review so wow. i was my name was on the ballot this year but so was the work of my my committee and myself so i was very happy to like i think i even have a copy of the ballot just for keeps you know well what's so interesting about what you say you know that was a big responsibility, you know, oh, yeah. a shout out to Eddie Alvarez for having that kind of insight to, you know, to appoint you to, to say, no, this woman, I, I feel it. Again, his, you know, one thing I love about Eddie Alvarez is he follows his intuition. Yeah. He's a very intuitive man. And, you know, the idea that he encouraged you, I think that that is very important. And I can see... I can see already all the challenges you have because my next question is what are some of the challenges? So here you are sitting on this board, you know, you're, you have little experience, but you're getting experience because yes. now you know about agendas. Now you know about, <laughs> you know, you know about all the different things that go on when you go to city councils or board of, of supervisors. Now you're on this, now you're on this committee with a bunch of hardcore people. I mean, yeah. these are really people. These are the movers, the shakers that get appointed to that. That's one thing that I noticed. How, how did you, how did you navigate yourself? I mean, where did you get that? Where did you get that um, that confidence? You know, that oomph that you need to be able to speak out, to vote, and do all those things. Where do you think that came from? Um, so I've been voting. I want to say the first time I registered to vote was actually earlier than my birthday, but that was because that was because I was like about to transition to being eighteen, and the number one thing I wanted to do was um, vote. 
that was like the thing I was waiting for. Um, I remember that, um, what's his name? Uh, Herman Hernandez, oh, yes. but junior, son, the son. He came to my econ, uh, my econs class in high school at L.C. Allen. And I just remember him telling us that women weren't able to vote since um, until 1920. And I was like, what? So I think that kind of pushed me to vote for every election, you know, every election in June, every election in November, I've never missed it. And, you know, there was a time that I went to Mexico um, right before the June election. I want to say uh, 20, uh, 2016, and I mailed in my ballot early just so I could be able to vote. So, you know, vi- voting is very big to me. And the women's, uh, uh, the the Commission on the Status of Women, um, that's one of the things that we also do when we put up our booths. Like we have um, voter registration fill out forms, you know, so we're mo- motivating um, some of the people that approach our stand to vote as well. Well, you know, you said something very important and something very dear to my heart, recognizing that women did not, we, not only did we not able to vote until 1920, Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why the League of Women Voters was developed, to help educate women, to encourage yes. them to vote. Because back then, their husband says, you're not going to vote. You know, and women were afraid to do that. It wasn't until 1970 we even got credit cards. So it's music to my ears to hear a young woman say, because I recognize that we as women did not get the vote until 1920, that I was going to vote every time. That is so inspiring. I mean, that is that is really important. It really is. Well... Now, you know, how do you think, you know, but, but I still want to know where, 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 did, where did that confidence come from? I mean, you know, you, you talk so well, you present yourself so well. Where, what, 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 what gives you that? What, what do you think it really is? If, if you were to tell a young woman yourself, if you were to say, you know, uh, this, is what, well, this is how I overcame my fears or my anxieties, yeah. what would you say? Yeah, so, you know, I grew up here in Roseland. I've been in Roseland my entire life. Um, You know, I grew up through the system, juvenile hall, eventually county jail, and I just realized it just wasn't the life for me. Um, I had a boyfriend that was killed when we were both 19 on Valentine's Day, so his seventh seventh death uh, anniversary days coming awfully soon. So um, I want to say that that really gave me strength to want to inspire girls who kind of fall, fall down and then, you know, trying to motivate them to just take two steps forward. You know, I think that's what really inspired me to get out there, you know, because I do feel like there, like, as you mentioned, I do feel like there's a lack in young people in politics. And I feel like, you know, um, I just hope that, you know, a lot more young women step up to the plate and, you know, they do something for their community, even if it's just having a voice, volunteering for community events. It's just being a part of your community, you know, because nowadays, you know, and I think it's a lot, a lot it had a lot to do with COVID. Neighbors don't even say hi to each other. Like, you know, I remember being a kid and knowing everybody on my block. And then, you know, I just feel like, you know, isolation became a thing and you know not a lot of socializing not like you know just kind of keeping to themselves and you know I just feel that as somebody who grew up in Roseland and who would walk into my friend's houses without even knocking just opening the door and 
calling their mom mom too you know I just feel that you know a lot of young girls that grew up here in Roseland they kind of we kind of share the same struggles and I I thought you know that me stepping up to the plate would hopefully motivate young women as well well, not only that, by you stepping up to the plate, you you start changing things. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, you have a voice. If you don't have a voice, if nobody hears the problem, it's mm-hmm. never going to happen. Well, I want you to hold that thought. You know, the show, we're, we're, we're having to adjust the show because we cannot get a hold of Tina Rogers. But that doesn't matter. We're going to continue. So, <clears throat> so we're going to take a musical break. And we're going to play a song, and I dedicate this to you. I really do. I dedicate this. When I was picking my song, I thought of this song. This was the song I was going to introduce you before I introduced you. It's it's just, it's called Ella's Song, We Who Believe in Freedom. And, folks, when I come back, I'm going to continue my uh, conversation with Ana Diaz-Garcia. But before I do that, before I do that, uh, I want to tell people I'm also, after after I come back from the song, I'm going to make a special announcement about what's going on to celebrate uh, Martin Luther King birthday today, or the, uh, the holiday, and then we will continue the conversation. So let's go ahead. Let's play uh, Ella's song, Ken. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. Till it 
Struggling myself don't mean a whole lot I've come to realize The teaching others to stand up and fight Is the only way my struggles survive We who believe in freedom cannot rest freedom cannot rest that's so true i want to read this is i want to read something that uh martin luther king said power without love is reckless and abusive and love without power is sentimental and an epic power at its best is love implementing the demands of justice and justice at its best is power correcting everything that stands against love martin luther king we who believe in freedom shall not rest. And today is a national holiday, Martin King's birthday, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. We're celebrating it, and I want to make a special announcement. Uh, today, they're doing at the Baptist Church at uh, 1620 Sonoma Avenue in Santa Rosa. They're doing what is known as a day on, not a day off. It's happening Monday, January 16th today. It started at 10 a.m. It will end at 3 p.m. There are several, several um, different organizations that are going to be having tables to explain who they are. And also, there, there used to be a march. I don't know if there's going to be a march because it's been a little bit rainy. It's a free event to the whole community as we as they unite to honor the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And go down there. That's 1620 Sonoma Avenue here in Santa Rosa. Well, that's a lot to think about, a lot to do, and welcome back. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and we are, you are listening to Women's Spaces, and I have the honor right now of inter- continuing my talk with uh, Anna. Oh, my, my, my mind, Gar- Diaz Garcia, I'm sorry. And, and we are talking about her, uh, her getting elected to the uh, trustees for the Roseland District. So let's continue. So continue with what you were talking about, Anna, where you got your confidence. And, and what are some of your goals at this particular time, you know, going, you know, being part of a board right now and serving on the boards that you have served? Um, on. Oh, 
Um, so obviously, you know, I'm really excited. Possibly, I'm not. It's not confirmed yet, but I'm. I'm hopeful that it is. Um, the uh, the commission of the li- of the Sonoma County Library actually emailed me and said that um, you know all my questions because they had a questionnaire that was attached to my application. So they said that they were really impressed by everything. So um, you know, obviously with the with the future of the Roseland School, uh, the Roseland uh, Library and the future building of the Hearn Hub that will be on Hearn Avenue. Um, I just I'm super excited to be a part of of that of that um, of that in the in the future. So that's one of the things that I hold as a goal. Another thing is so my term for the Commission on the Women of Status or sorry uh, the Commission on the Status of Women. Um, is that, you know, I hopefully get another term. So our terms are four years. So our terms are, f- are four years. And so hopefully I could get another another term out of out of it. So hopefully Chris will, will allow me back. Oh, I'm sure he will. Yes. I mean. And um, just pitting the students and the parents of the Roseland School District first because – you know, typically as an outsider, I always viewed the district always, I'm not, I'm not saying it's not equally as important, but I've always viewed the district as putting the, their employees first rather than the students and their parents. So I feel like there is a transition to, you know, at least, at least, you know, recognize that and to change that and to obviously learn from, from all this. But, um, you know, I'm really thankful for, the teachers that did support me and the staff members that did as well. I have a sister who actually works for the Rosen School District. Um, I like to call her a veteran because she's been there for like 20 plus years. So when I used to go to Meadowview Elementary that's off of Hearn Avenue, my mom was working two jobs at the time. So my sister would have to leave work early to pick us up and then take us back to Rosen Elementary. So, um, you know, I could, I could honestly say that I do even though I did not attend the district as a student, I, I that's where I met all my friends, you know? <laughs> well, it's interesting, you know, now that you're on the board of trustees for the Roseland community, I, I'm curious, what, what, is, what are some of your responsibilities? I mean, what, what actually, what does a board member do? I mean, you're talking about wanting to bring all these things forward. How, how does that happen? And, and what, what is your role? And, and now you're vice president. I mean, that is amazing. I mean, you should be very, very proud of yourself. Yeah. You know, that old saying, you've come a long way, baby. You know, and I think, I think what happens when all of a sudden you get the, the intuition that I have to do something, things start melting away and you kind of change yourself. What, what, what are some of your responsibilities and how can, how can the community at large support you? Um, so I would really, I really, really am pushing for, so our meetings are still on Zoom. So many school districts have already returned in-person meetings back since last year. But unfortunately, our district is still through Zoom and they still want to continue through Zoom. So um, I actually, um, last meeting, we all, and it was like a public vote, you know, or in it was a public meeting of us obviously voting. So, I mean, just for the record, but, um, we all voted 
whether or not to continue our next meeting in person or through Zoom, and I was the only one who voted for in person. So one of the things that I really want our community, and especially our parents of the community, our guardians, so grandmas, tias, tios, I, you know, cousins that are raising their kids, you, uh, their cousins' kids because you know, they're in unfortunate situations, you know, it would really mean a lot if they come to our meetings and, you know, speak during public, um, public comment or, you know, are just there to listen about what is going on in our, ch in their child's life and their future. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that, you know, I was very involved with the Andy Lopez situation. Yeah. And one thing, one thing that I knew one thing that I know, it was the fact that people showed up at every one of those meetings and were demanding things. And they were not demanding unreasonable things. They were demanding things that were going to better make the neighborhood better and also to work on to acknowledge that this was an, un an unnecessary death and that we have to have some way of getting accountability. But if the community had not spoken up, you know, it never would have happened. And also when we got Measure P, you know, which was get was supposedly it's still we're still struggling in this community to get accountability with our sheriff's department. But if it was not for the folks standing up, the politicians would not have happened. And when George Floyd got killed, the way he did, if it wasn't for the community coming out in full force, nothing would have changed. And so it's very important. That's a very important message. You need that kind of support. And it's not that difficult. You know, I know we work, you know, and people, you know, I mean, I was, I was just, I have lots of responsibility and yet I made time because it was important. When something is important, somehow you find the times. Yeah. Well, that's amazing. That's amazing. And I hope, I hope that you, you get that support. You know, I really do. Now, you know, it's another th interesting thing that you said that I can totally relate to. You know, I was appointed to the commission on, on a human rights commission. And we had a meeting and there was a, an event and I was the lone vote. And I'll never forget that. I mean, I felt, first of all, someone promised to vote with me. Okay, so that in itself was a violation because that person voted against me. In other words, voted for what I was, he voted for what I was voting against. And I remember the feeling I had. I said, can I, can I continue in this group? Maybe everybody, you know, how do they, what are they thinking of me? But you know, what I did, Anna, was I reminded myself that my self-esteem doesn't depend on anything outside of me. Those people don't pay my rent. Those people yeah. are not, those people did not grieve your boyfriend when that happened. You know, all those things that happened to you, they, they had nothing to do with, I have a right to vote no. I'm an American citizen. I believe, and it's funny because uh, when I went to Sonoma State, uh, Marjorie Dineen Wagner was the president. And it was very, very interesting. I abstained. So after the meeting was over, she says to me, Elaine, would you come into my office for a moment? Now, this is the first woman president for a UC system is asking me to come into her office. And I just froze. I said, oh, my God. What's and I went into her office, and she looked at me right in the eye, woman to woman. Only cowards abstain. <laughs> she says, you vote no because I need more information or no, and I'll never forget that. So when I voted, that was the first time in my whole life that I ever was the only one that voted no in a room, and that came back to me because I could have abstained, 
Yeah. You know, to be popular, everybody's going to like, no, but I said no, and I gave my reason, and it's a very powerful place to be, so congratulations to you. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's an old saying, first they laugh at you, you know, then they think about it, then they do it, and they take they take all the credit for it, so, so don't worry about it. Yeah. Well, it looks like we're coming to the end of our segment, there's, we, I know we can carry on more and more what what else would you like to share and also how can people get a hold of you do you have a website and do you have any future plans you know i mean i know you want to get on this library you know i'll tell you if anybody from the library is listening <laughs> you have my vote <laughs> even though i'm not in the area but any last words anything else you'd like to say i mean i know i mean anything anything on your yeah, mind so i mean what you asked about what the trustees necessarily do it's just so much um obviously voting going through the agenda um you know um having uh you know uh visitors come into um into our meetings and speaking that is very big as well um you know budget i don't know if i mentioned that already but it's very it's extremely important and you know um whether or not it's voting, it's voting, just having your vote set aside just says so much and it just puts so much value into your word. Like a simple yes and a simple, and a simple no just speaks volumes. So, um, you know, um, all, even if me and a, a board member don't agree on something, I never take it to heart, you know, and unfortunately during my campaign, I experienced a lot of heartache and a lot of hardships um, and a lot of disappointments. And it's supposed to be a beautiful experience when you're meeting people and you're getting connections, but I got a little bit of both worlds and I'm just super fortunate and I'm super lucky that I got to experience it all in one. But, um, you know, I really want parents to really um, advocate for their children. I really want parents to know that their voice does matter. And, um, you know, just to be involved in their their child's education. Um, but yeah. Well, do they have a website or anything they can get a hold of you? Or if they want to write, so, or you have an email, anything you'd like yeah, to share? Yes, so my community email is anadiaz4, F-O-R, the word for, roseland at gmail.com. And... Um, I also have my um, district email, which is on our website. If you go on the trustees page, you will find me there. But, um, you know, another thing that I want to include is that I know it's going to be I know it's going to be a process and it's not going to be an easy one. But um, a lot of people do not know this, but the Roseland School District has not redistricted since 1965. Oh, really? Yes. So a lot a big chunk of our district is the West Third area so where pearson is where amador is um even half of um of stony point is even considered um part of the district so yeah well thank you so much anna dia garcia for being such a lovely lovely guest and for sharing all your thoughts and sharing your fears and your hopes and everything else with us and you are definitely an example for young women thank you so much well, that's it for our show, folks. A special thank you to Anna Diaz. I'm telling you, I don't know what my mind is today. I guess because we've had little changes uh, here. Anna sometimes. Diaz is fine. Sorry, <laughs> I just I just hyphenate my last name because I have a cousin that's my age that's also named Anna Diaz. Okay. <laughs> 
Any special thank you to Anna Diaz for being here, you know, and congratulations on winning the election. It's just been wonderful, wonderful speaking with you. And a reminder, tell your friends, Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. this evening. I'm excited. I get to listen to my program. Also, I'm available for speaking engagements, and if you have any announcements like you'd like to put on the air, like an anniversary, a birthday, anything like that. And remember... Remember, our children are the future, and check out a day on, not a day off, at the Baptist Church here on the, uh, 1620 Sonoma Avenue. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful event. And tell your people to listen to Women's Spaces this evening. Anyway, this is Elaine B. Holt. She's been listening to Women's Spaces. Thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to being with you the next time. She can wait so The previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, January 16th, 2023.